Also, let me know if you can hear my uh, fan. Oh, I can't. At any point. Okay. You are golden. You are golden girl. Get it? <laughs> I'm so happy right now. Hello. Welcome to Kiara Gets Drunk and Talks About Music. Today, we're talking about Take Off Your Pants and Jacket by Blink-182, released in 2001 under MCA. And my guest is Carrie. Yeah. That was very really high-pitched. <laughs> that was very high-pitched. <laughs> that was very high-pitched, but welcome back. This is your, uh, your fourth time joining us, second time virtually. Yes. Yes. Thank you for thank you for coming. Thank you for taking time out of your very busy day amidst all the COVID craziness to, to join us and drink with us again. Yes. Always, always excited. Always happy to do it. Is it number four? I think this is four because, uh, no, I think it's three. I lied. I lied straight <laughs> to your face. You're right. It's, okay. it's three. I was, I was sitting there and I was like, which one didn't, which one don't I remember? I mean, it's possible. We do get drunk. We do. That's not a lie. People think a lot of, a lot of people are like, you're not actually drinking. And I'm just like, oh, oh no. Then what is this? Wait, <laughs> it got stuck on my coaster. Same. I was like, oh, really? Explain this. Did you hear that? Alcoholic beverage. It's an alcoholic beverage. Did you hear the ice? Yep. Ooh. It's in there. No, you can't hear mine on my mic. I could do my own ASMR with this thing. <gasps> it's so relaxing. But you know what I find creepy? Like, how do you, I don't understand how you sleep to it because it's just like the woman being like, and now we're gonna, we're gonna comb the hair. And I'm like, that's so creepy. It's I have no explanation. Maybe I just want someone to comb my hair. I think that's really what it is. By the way, Carrie has showed me many an ASMR video. I wish there was an excuse. I don't have much of a life outside of ASMR now. <laughs> no, but people find it very relaxing and it helps them sleep. But the, yes. the woman that you, like the, the videos that you've been watching, she does just like, she'll do like, oh, it's like a lice check. It's a checkup. I'm going to clean my makeup brushes. I'm going to like massage your face. I'm going to give you a back massage. And I'm like, what's next? Is she going to like bake me a fucking cake? Like, I'm like, what's I hope this woman? So. I would love that. But also like, I just don't, it was too creepy for me to get on yeah. board with to sleep too. No matter how you say it, it's creepy as fuck. I was going to say, um, see, it's funny. Cause I literally, the only thing that works for me anymore is listening to old episodes of the pod. <laughs> so I don't know what's creepier, your ASMR lady or me falling asleep to the sound of your voice. I don't, I don't know. know. I, well, we'll see if we can listen to me as I take off my pants and jacket. <laughs> there we go. First joke of the evening. <laughs> I was waiting for it. Care, I'm so excited to get into this album with you. I'm excited to do some drinking with you again via Zoom because we got to be safe. Number of cases and COVID is going up and we got to do our part to make sure that that number comes down. On that note, what do you say we get into a little bit of backstory on, uh, on uh, take off your pants and jacket? I said, do it. So for those of you who have been following us since the beginning, we've actually done an episode on Blink-182. And Carrie, you were there for that. That was episode five, your first time on the pod. And it was a magical time. I and got it, really drunk. You had to give me a bagel. I did. We had bagel and pizza. Yep. It was a double yep. carb day and it was yep. glorious. It was um, so good. <laughs> but since we've, already done, since we've already done an episode on Blink-182, um, we did go into a little bit of the history of the, how the band came to be way back in episode five. Mm -hmm. So for this time around, I'm just going to give you a brief history on the album we're talking about today, which is, of course, Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. Take Off Your Pants and Jacket is the fourth studio album from Blink-182. At the time, the band was still comprised of its original members, which included Mark Hoppus, who sang and played bass guitar, Tom DeLonge, who sang and played lead guitar, and Travis Barker on drums. It was released in June 2001, following the huge success of their 1999 album, Enema of the State, an album you and I both know and love very, very well. Yes. 
Very much. The singles off of Take Off Your Pants and Jacket included The Rock Show, First Date, and Stay Together for the Kids. Big tunes that I can't wait to talk about today. I can't wait to talk about all of them for different reasons. Yes, definitely. But I'm so, I'm, oh, I'm I'm so ready. The music videos. videos. I literally, I could just, (laughs) I could spend this whole episode just talking about the music videos, I think. So fucking great. (laughs) The album was very well received by critics and it landed a place on Kerrang's top 50 albums of the 2000s. Rob Sheffield, who is one of the most well-regarded music journalists at Rolling Stone, said of Blink-182 on this album, as they plow in their relatively unselfconscious way through the emotional hurdles of lust, terror, pain, and rage, they reveal more about themselves and their audience than they ever even intend to, turning adolescent malaise into a friendly joke rather than a spiritual crisis. And I thought that quote summed it up actually very nicely. Yes. I love that. They took things that were like, maybe people wouldn't necessarily complain about and like put it in a song. They did it in a very genuine way but one that was also like, didn't take itself too seriously. And it wasn't a downer when it so easily could have been. So I think that that summed it up quite nicely, that quote. I think so perfectly. Lastly, the album was the first pop punk record to debut at number one on the Billboard 200 chart. It went double platinum the following year. And to this day, the album has sold 14 million copies globally and it will celebrate its 20th anniversary next June. I really need them to take this on tour. They did Enema. They did Enema, yeah, because that had the last year, 2019 was Enema's 20th, right? Yeah. So they got to do it for Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. So honestly, like, I know I said in the last pod, I love this album. It's my favorite Blink album, hands down. Now, Carrie, we're we're so excited to get into the album. But before we talk about why you love this album so much and and talk about the songs, uh, we got to give the listeners a little bit of insight as to the lovely cocktail that we're drinking tonight. Ooh, yes. What is what is the name of the cocktail we're drinking tonight? It's the aptly named Roller Coaster. Yes, we are drinking Roller Coaster Cocktails, which we decided to drink uh, as per track number eight on the record called Roller Coaster. It was a very easy choice. Very easy choice. Also very easy cocktail. Probably one of the simplest ones we've ever made on Kiara Gets yep. Drunk and Talks About Music. If you would like to make a roller coaster, a roller coaster. <laughs> a roller coaster? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. Don't mind if I do with the roller coaster. If you want to make yourself, <laughs> if you would like to make yourself a roller coaster cocktail, you just need two ingredients, amaretto and grapefruit juice. It is two parts amaretto and three parts grapefruit juice. Combine it in a shaker with ice and serve. And it's, you know what? You know what? It's giving me a little tasty. bit of like, it's tasty. When I first started drinking it, I was like, huh, cough syrup? Yeah. Kind of, which I wasn't jazzed about. But now the more I drink it, the more I'm kind of like, no, I can roll with this, I think. See, what gets me is a bit of that amaretto because yes. it's got that sweet, so... It's like syrupy. Yeah. As someone who has been drinking far too much NyQuil in her adult In her life. short years on the show. Yep. All the NyQuil. All the time. Yeah. I think I had a bit of that, but it was... Uh, I don't know. It's growing on me. It's kind of tangy and sweet. Yeah. Kind of like Blink-182. Very much like Blink-182. And much like that song. Roller coaster, got it. I was like, what song? <laughs> blanked, blanked out for a second. All right, so we've got our roller coaster cocktails in hand. We are drinking them. Carrie, you got to tell me a little bit about why this is. This is your favorite Blink-182 album. So I got to know when you started listening to it, why you started listening to it, and what makes it your favorite album. Um, when I first started listening to this, I got it, I think, like the week it came out um, on CD. 
And I still have the CD. The compact was, disc. The compact disc, as I so uh, lovingly wrote to you in a text, uh, which I found and um, have been listening to in my car because I still made sure I had a CD player in my, my new car. You got to have um, it for the mixtapes. Yeah, so that's what I live for. But that summer it came out, was the year right before I went into grade nine. I don't know why I've brought a pen in as a prop. I'm going to put that down. <laughs> um, Wingardium Leviosa, <laughs> so, uh, which, which coincides with me listening to this album. So end of June, no, end of July, I lied. Uh, I went to Poland for a month. And I think this was the only album I really listened to when I was there, but this album I took with me. And um, I don't speak Polish, which is like great. Um, <laughs> and everyone we saw did not speak English. So, I mean, I, I'm awkward in the best of situations, but I was especially awkward in that. So um, I just essentially stayed in my room at my aunt's house because she and my grandmother would like just catch up and talk in Polish and watch Young and the Restless in Polish. Oh man, all the Bupshas loved Young and the Restless. They love it, like crazy pants. And it was like reruns. So it was like 80s hair in the early 2000s. And that nice soft glowy filter on all the episodes. Also, some of those people are still alive and look the exact same age. The guy with the mustache. Victor. Yes, he's still Victor. alive. Victor. Yeah. And oh he's God. still on that show. And guess what? He looks the same. <laughs> like, I don't know if he has like retinol. Like, I need to know his skincare routine. Someone needs to make a TikTok of that man's skincare routine. There you go. Now we're cooking with gas. Oh, man. Anyway. Um, yeah, I spent a lot of time in my room listening to this album, like nonstop. In car rides. Almost died a few times in car rides. Oh, my. Um, because... My uncle can't drive. I've never been more religious in my life. Prayed in the car, going to like religious places, also with Link in my ears, which was like kind of conflicting. I was gonna say, I don't know if that necessarily matches up, but like, no. okay, okay. When okay, you're okay. trying to do like Hail Marys and Happy Holidays, you bastard comes on. Not a good combo. <laughs> like, you're Not just the best like, combo. I might go to hell for this. Yeah, so I, I spent a lot of time just like listening to this. As nerdy as this sounds, it was like my friend. I don't think like, that sounds like nerdy. Your, your friend when you were gone. It was like the one thing I connected with and was like, just like mine. And it was something that like, I kind of had as a constant that and Harry Potter. I read all the Harry Potter books. Of course. That same like month. So you had a lot and, of time on your hands. Yeah. I, I literally had tons of time. I love that though. I love that it was a little taste of home for you, this album. That's, I think that's yeah. very, very sweet. And like, were you, cause if you were going into high school, like, did you find this album relatable at that time? I definitely did. And I think for me, it was like, I always loved, like, I loved Anima of the State, um, but I almost felt this one felt a little bit more, and I say this with also a grain of salt, like, it felt a little more mature. I totally agree. So it was like, you still have this stupid sense of humor, like, literally the, the title pun, I could not, like, I would just be like, oh yeah, I'm listening to my new album called Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. (laughs) Like, just being like, you don't get it. It's just about taking off articles of clothing. Yeah. Like, and I just like fucking loved it. And but I love too how the cover has, um, it's got the, it's like a plane, a jacket, plane. and then a pant. No, yeah, sorry. The plane, plane pants, jacket. Jacket in the different colors. Yeah. So it's like take off like a plane, your pants, pants, pants and, and jacket. jacket. Yeah. So like for, for somebody who wasn't understanding, you know, the masturbation joke, there's like, <laughs> you were like, like yeah, your title. that's such an interesting title. I wonder how oh, they yeah. came up with that. <laughs> You got to love that double entendre. Blake-182 never fails to let me down when it comes to the puns. Yeah. Yeah. And we know I love a good pun. Oh, girl, who doesn't? Come on. 
I don't have the same relationship with this record, I think, uh, as, as you do. I'm like, I want to say I've spent more time listening to Enema of the State, but then it's coming out of my mouth. I'm not entirely sure. All I know is that like Enema of the State, I feel like, you know, the, the imagery with the nurse and the what's my age again and like that era of blank, I think is like what I think of first. With this album, honest to God, it comes down to the first date music video and that's basically about it. <laughs> because my older brother and I would download all the Blink-182 music videos and we had them all on our family computer and we watched this yeah. first date video. We must've watched it like 50 fucking times. Like it, it so killed us good. every single time we watched it. It was never not funny. And I guess that's like when I think of Blink-182, I think of like having fun. Like it's such a like joyous romp of a record. It's like if I want to have a good time or if I want to like jam out, I'm going to put on Blink and I'm always going to sing along and I'm always going to want to like yeah. dance. You know, two th- in 2001, I was, uh, I was seven. So I think that's why I probably had a very <laughs> narrow focus. And I was like trying to understand so many things happening in the video. I was just like, I don't even know what this means, but I know it's funny. Like I, so much shit went over seven-year-old Kiara's head. It's unbelievable. But now in watching it again, I'm just like, this music video may be the greatest, one of the greatest videos of all time. It brings me the most joy. So much. I'm like Marie Kondoing this video. I'm like, <laughs> does it bring me joy? Yes. <laughs> Keep it. Keep it safe. Forever. Where do we want to start, Carrie? Which which song really speaks to you on this record, first and foremost? Well, I think we need to start with First Date because the song is fantastic, but also fantastic. We, have, we have given the listener tidbits into our ideas of this music video, and I think they need to be discussed. Seriously, you if you haven't seen it, like, listeners Google out it. there. You, Pause you the podcast. You need, need to. Yeah, this is like a, a legit pause the podcast stop the podcast <laughs> and listen not listen watch use your eyes and your ears <laughs> to absorb the music video play into both senses we're asking yeah. you to be very yeah. attentive here first date so um absolutely love this song it's not only fun but it's really relatable and I so think relatable it's so like so fucking someone, relatable it is this is, I think, why I love this album so much. Not that, like, I mean, we talked about universal themes in the last pod about Blink-182. They really tap into, like, key ideas that don't tend to age, really. Like, there's something everyone can, like, connect to. But, like, your first date, it doesn't matter if it is your first date ever, if it is your first date with someone new. Like, this feeling is constant. Everybody experiences it. I wrote down a line because it's so true. It's like, I'm just scared of what you think. You make me nervous. So I really really can't eat. I never eat before a date because I'm going to be sick. I don't eat on on a date. date. No, I don't. I don't eat on the date. I refuse to do dinner dates until at least date three because I'm like, I don't know if I want this person to see me like mouth through this mac and cheese yet. (laughs) I will find a way to eat it, but I will be nervous about it. Oh yeah. I'll be like, what should I get? Because that's even a thing too of like, what do I order? Is that going to be like too much? Is it like, are they going to make my breath smell? Exactly. Like you're like, we are sitting, I mean, in the days of COVID, you're going to be six feet apart from me. So who the fuck cares what I'm eating at this point? That's true. You're going to be wearing a mask anyways. Yeah. Just like all the garlic, but it's true. It's like you get, you overthink everything. Like, am I making a great first impression? Like, how does my hair look in this moment? Yeah. Like I've left dates and like my mascara has like fully like rubbed off on the top of my eye and I've been like oh excellent (laughs) I 
fan-fucking-tastic. That's why I'm not getting called back. Nothing to do with my charming personality. No, but I totally Um, hear you. It's like, it's those million questions you ask yourself on a date too. Like, and that's basically the the lyrics of the song. Like, is it cool if I hold your hand? Is it lame if I think it, or is it wrong if I think it's lame to dance? Yeah, like he's just literally the whole verse is just him asking all these questions that we're all thinking. Do you like my stupid hair? Would you have guessed that I didn't know what to wear? I'm so scared of what you think. You make me nervous, make me nervous so, so really can't, can't eat. eat. So catchy. It's so good. And But things that, like, other reasons why I love this album so much is um, I'd mentioned that, like, a little bit more maturity. But I do think the musicality in um, a lot of their songs is also elevated. Like, there's more harmonies in this album than in Enema. Oh, 100%. I, so I created a pod list, like, playlist where I listened to Enema and this back-to-back. So yeah. I could evaluate like what's the like, difference? More harmony. There's more harmony in this one. Is that true? Go in and check. And it, and it is like you can feel like I even feel like Tom's voice is better. It's better. It feels like a momentum. Like they built off of Enema, and they've like elevated shit. So you just kind of feel like you get to go on this journey of progression with the band, which is yeah. really cool. But like I love the harmonies in it. I often sing the harmony part because it's in a higher range and it's fun. But the music video is I think, like, I love this song, but then you take that music video and you put that right on top of this baby and, like, fuck me. It's chef's kiss. It's perfect. You know what The hair, the 70s influence. Like, for anyone who hasn't seen the video, basically, it's 70s inspired. So all three band members, Travis, Mark, and Tom, are dressed in kind of, like, you know, like, um... Uh, so it's like, like very like 70s 80s like it's like athleisure like, it's like athleisure. 70s athleisure the 100 percent. that's the word for it yeah yeah and it's it's just such a fun fucking video there's like them driving around in a van but and they go to like a water park it's just but i have to say like my favorite part and i like forgot about it actually for a while but the very beginning where um they're walking into the garage <laughs> so they're walking into the garage and they're talking and tom's like Tom's like, so I walk in there, my brother's around, and I end up kissing my own brother, and then Mark goes, that's far out, man, and Tom's come, Tom comes back, he's like, yeah, that's fucked up, and then Mark goes, you know what they say, like father, like son, and then Tom's like, you said it best, brother, and then they just go into going. I fucking love it, and it's so random, and I love the ending. So random. Like, well, I ending. forgot all about the ending, where it's like, where they are now, like, yeah. Because they, they don't have their same names. It's like Boomer or something. Yeah, Boomer is Tom. Um, Spalding is Mark. And then yeah. Travis is Travis. Travis. And they're like, Travis, Travis like, drives go-karts full-time. And Spalding <laughs> lives in his van still. still. His van. And then <laughs> Boomer is, like, in jail for undisclosed Yeah. <laughs> Even the parts, like, they've got a bumper sticker that says, like, ass, gas, or grass. Nobody rides for free. <laughs> yeah. There's no fucking way seven-year-old Chiara, like, picked up what that meant. I was no. just like, what is, gr-? I was like, grass? Like, you know, grows on the lawn. Like, and then I was just like, I saw ass, and I was like, that's a bad word. I shouldn't say that out loud. <laughs> even them getting out of the van no and one smoke. rides for free. Oh, But, like, yeah. smoke is billowing out of the things, and I'm just like, I don't understand. Like, I literally didn't understand what was yeah. happening in that video. It perfectly captures, to me, the magic of Blink-182, something that's, like, so daunting, like a first date yep. or, or growing up or divorce or moving yep. away to college, whatever. And then they turn it into this fucking bop. Yeah. That makes you so happy. Yeah. And you can't help but like want to sing along to it. It's kind of like magical. As shitty as a first date can be, like it can also be really like something you look back on and you're like, wow, that was like 
really fun or like you you once you kind of get through all the shit of like the date being over and like assuming it's like good and someone hasn't I don't know try to like force you to smell their hand spoken <laughs> by somebody who's uh, been in that situation it carries start yep terrible terrible first date no but it's it's kind of like once you once you get through all that nerves and like it turns out well like that's something like you go back and you're like, man, that was really exciting. You're like, man, I can't wait to do that again. And it really is like that when you've clicked with someone, you really don't want the night to end. And it, it kind Let's of Let's make like, this last forever. Exactly. And Let's ever. Make this last forever, forever, and ever. And ever. I want to keep with the momentum of first date and talk about a song where uh, I also had downloaded the music video and had it on my computer and my brother and I would watch it over and over again. And that is uh, The Rock Show. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Great music video. Basically, the premise of this music video, there's not really a premise, but they get money from their production company to make a music video. And instead, they film themselves, I'm assuming out in Los Angeles because they're California boys, film themselves out in Los Angeles, um, throwing the money away and doing stupid shit with the money, like buying doves, buying a TV that they're going to like smash up. I love the dove part. The doves. they come out of the pet shop and... Like fucking makes me die. They're driving down the street, just like tossing money out the window. Yep. They're like throwing it off of rooftops and people are like grabbing it. It's just like, yep. again, a fun, it's just a fun video. There's like a, a fisheye lens throughout the whole thing. Yep. Like it's just, it's, it's a good video and I love it. I have so many fond memories of singing this with my older brother, putting it on our mix CDs, played it in our, you know, 2003 Sienna, Toyota Sienna van. Um, <laughs> the magic of the song I think here is that it's so pure and nostalgic Um, Mm -hmm. it's mostly Mark who sings this song and he says, you know, like I couldn't wait for the summer and the warp tour. I remember it's the first time that I saw her there. So it's like going back to a time in your life where you were, you know, like it's, you know, it's hot out You're with your friends. It's not COVID, which is a bonus. And you can like go to shows and go to the warp tour and like have a fucking good time. And you end up meeting somebody who like changes your life. The chorus itself fucking slaps (laughs) the cadence of like, because I fell in love with the girl at the rock show. She She said what? And I told her that I didn't know. know. Easy to learn, easy to remember, so fucking catchy. To me, the essence of the song is just being young and being in love with like meeting somebody new and being just like so enamored enamored by that person. And similarly to first date, I feel like it captures some of the um, like confidence struggles of somebody being in a new relationship because Mark says, I'm kind of nervous because I think all of her friends hate me. She's the one, she'll always be there. She took my hand and I made it, I swear. Um, And so it's just like, it's just a very sweet song, but it's just fun. And again, I just want to like dance. I just want to like rock out. Like it's, oh man, it's such a great, in my opinion, it's such a great tune. It's fantastic. Like to me, it always makes me think of like young love, like mm-hmm. summer, summer love where it's also kind of like without, cause I, I hate Romeo and Juliet. So comparing it's like different, but it's like that kind of all in. Like I was going to say, hold on. I have follow-up questions. What do you, you hate okay. Romeo and Juliet, like the story or the movie oh. adaptation? Where are we going with this? Uh, oh, like the story. I hate oh, okay. I hate, like, I think it's like a lovely, like, no, I, that's, fuck that shit. No, I don't like it. I don't Is like it because they're both like 14 and really I stupid. mean, like, well, I mean, like, she's like 12, 13 and he's 15, but it's, it's my idea. It's like, cause it's not a love story. It's a story about fucking lust. Romeo goes to the party being like, I love Rosalind. She's the love of my life. And then it's like, oh, hey, another pretty girl. Like, <laughs> fuck you, Romeo. He's such a, such a dick. And I get the whole Starcrest lovers, like two families feuding, like against the odds. Like you need mom and dad intervention. Like this is like a, you do owe someone a fucking explanation. I'm sorry, Juliet. Uh, I'm sorry, Juliet. 
the person you're with in high school will probably not be the one you're with. But like, if they are, awesome. Good but also you. like, don't fucking throw your life away. But it feels like that kind of like impetuous, like love. But just like you see in that song, how dedicated that love is. Absolutely. So it's very fun, but it's got like, I don't know, great chorus, but I love that video. Stop the podcast. <laughs> if you have not seen it, like go watch it now because it's, it, it brings so much joy. I also love the part where they, they find like the homeless man and they, and they give, give him, him like a makeover and they give him like a nice snazzy white suit. And I'm then like, they take him to the strip club. Yep. I mean, I, I <laughs> kind of forgot about that, but Hey, like that's a highlight. Hey they? man, like father like son. <laughs> Oh man. Okay, let's keep moving along okay. here, Carrie. Where do you where do you want to take us next? Oh fuck. Okay. You know what? I really love Anthem Part Two. So do I. Let's talk about it's, Anthem okay. Part Two. I mean, it's a little bit like less like happy, cheery, but it's I fucking love this song, and I think because Enema of the State ends with Anthem, Anthem. like you end up kind of seeing like a side by side and listening to them back to back as I have for the past few weeks also gives you like a very clear idea of like that maturity level increase right like yes. in the first one it was partying and wishing their friends were 21 parents possessing the key of instant slavery and then just like running away to then these ideas of like kind of more politically and socially conscious lyrics which I absolutely love and in a way uh and I wrote it down it's like listening to a song about 2020. This feels so motherfucking accurate. Literally. hundred percent. I totally yeah. agree with you. Yeah. Everything has fallen to fucking pieces. Everything has fallen to pieces. Earth is dying. Help, Help me, Jesus. Jesus. Yeah. For me, it felt like more of a like youth anthem. There's that elevation of maturity. And I like that it also like kind of blames society. Like if we're fucked up, you're to blame. I totally see where you're coming from. It was a nice build off of Anthem. I know it's not called Anthem Part One, but I think of yeah. the, the end of Enema as like the closing um, on one era of Blink-182. And then they, they, you know, this is the first track on the record, Anthem Part Two. So right away they're like, this is who we are now. Well, this is the new era of who Blink-182 is going to be. And similar to you, this song to me is about empowerment of youth, expressing frustration and anger towards older generations, uh, particularly people like politicians who have made villains of the younger generations, yep. like the millennials, the Gen Zs. And they say in the, in the very first verse, they say corporate leaders, politicians, kids can't vote, adults elect them. Yep. And I thought that line was very telling, particularly with what's going on in the current political climate. You know, yep. you've got people like Trump in power who is elected by a group of adults who blame younger generations for like whatever, messing up the world. Meanwhile, you've put a man in charge of the most powerful country in the world who is racist, sexist, yep you know, a sexual predator, uh, stupid ass. It's so relevant to, I think, how we're all feeling right now. We're the ones taking on these huge steps towards change. I mean, look at somebody like Greta Thunberg, yep. who is what, 12, 13 years old. And she's like yeah. leading the conversation on climate change. Yeah. She's like literally traveled the world promoting her school strike. Yeah. Right? Like there have been rallies built around her. Absolutely. And she's much more admirable, like, as a youth taking action than a lot of the adults. And I love, like, because to build off of the, the, the verse that you were bringing in, I also tagged the lines, like, laws that rule the school and workplace signs that caution 16's unsafe, right? So it's like, we're under this impression that 16-year-olds are the ones who are messing shit up. Yeah. Or who are, like, to blame for, like, I mean, fuck, you even look at, like, the ideas of, like, 
without getting overtly political on your podcast, um, but like, look, at, look at the U.S. and and gun laws. Sixteen year olds are unsafe because like the concept of like video games leading to weapons, like you know what leads to a school shooting? Guns. guns. If you eliminated guns, like that would be something, right? And then you're looking at like if we're fucked up, you're to blame. And you look yeah. at what happened to the kids at Parkland who were like actively protesting having guns. The fact that the solution was like, let's give the teachers the guns. Yeah. Like like more guns are not gonna solve this solve no. this solution. And like if anything, the fucking children who cannot vote can tell yeah. you that. Yeah. But it's interesting because I think like you really do see kind of this political charge and it kind of goes into this idea of and like sociologically, like Carl Mannheim has a whole general generational replacement theory and it has this idea of like fresh contacts. Fresh contacts being essentially like the people that that you start to fill your circle with that give you new insights to the ones that you had initially grown up with with your parents. Like it's a quote unquote fresh contact. When you're a child, you have very restricted ideas of what you do like parents drive you everyone parents feed you like for the most part as an adult you are wholly independent and at uh, the adolescence like kind of fall in between you are often told to be responsible to have your own like independence and responsibility um in that like treat you like an adult but then at the same time you are treated like a child so you're trying to figure right. out your way in the world right kids are figuring out who they are and it's a whole idea of like identity theory and and building that up so during that time music um tv shows the new friends you surround yourself with they start to kind of influence your independent values and what you are starting to question and center your beliefs around which then kind of like go into your adulthood like they start kind of building your foundation which yeah. is really cool which is why i think the song is so interesting we can so also much look more at complex like, than yeah that yeah. we've been probably like you know more than it's more than meets the eye it's transformers it's, <laughs> it's <laughs> i love that autobots assembly yeah autobots i've it's seen okay. it recently too shia labeouf Network. version i mean gotta go shia labeouf also, I really want to watch Holes again on a fun Holes side. This is note. so good. So oh my good. god. Ugh. With with um uh what's her face? Um pull the lever, crunk. What's yeah. her name? Oh, <laughs> Earth no. the kit? Earth the kit. Yes. Yeah. Sorry, I cut you off. Okay, it. sorry. No, I what was I saying? We were talking okay. about how it's more than meets oh. the eye. It's complex. Yeah, it's very complex. But I think it's cool because I think it's also like it is I mean, in this very dark and terrifying time that we currently live in. I think the one thing that we can also take away is like this idea of that generational replacement theory is that if we analyze the current state of the younger generations, generally, like you're looking at adolescents, early voting ages, like 20s to 30s, because we're not the majority of the people who hold the vote. Mm -hmm. um, if you analyze the trends, what we are concerned with, what we tend to like vote for, gives you a glimpse of what will eventually be on the ballot as concerns. Mm -hmm. You went deep, girl. You went deep yeah. on this song and I appreciate it. I fucking love it. I'm going to I'm going to take us in a bit of a different direction cuz I really want to talk about this song. Stay together for the kids. Okay. Like Adam's song off of Adam of the State. Song breaks my fucking heart and I don't think people realize how well Blank 182 does sad jams until they hear a blank 182 sad jam and they're like oh this is real as fuck they don't get a lot of credit for it but like they deserve it something else i really like about this song is i i think my favorite blank 182 songs are ones where mark and tom like trade off 
and yeah. they'll sing like, you know, a, a vert, like one verse will maybe be Tom. And then like Mark will do kind of like the background or like whatever, then he'll do the chorus. Like I like yeah. those. Um, I like that tag team. Like, I think the three of them yeah. work so well as a unit and that tag team and the vocals I really enjoy. It's such a genuine song too. And I think that's what plays into the heartbreak. Both Mark and Tom's parents got divorced. Um, and particularly, I think Tom was the the main songwriter on this one, but it comes from a very real place. And the lyrics are what I imagine both of them were thinking during the times that they were going through with their parents going through separation. So Mark sings, this house is haunted. It's so pathetic. He asks, what stupid poem could fix this home? I'd read it every day. And then uh, another line, which always like, gets me is he says, if this is what he wants and what she wants, then why is there so much pain? And yeah. so again, like all of these things that I can picture, you know, an adolescent kid wondering about their parents and why their life is changing in this huge, scary way. I feel like they would hear these lyrics and find so much comfort in knowing that other people have had the same thoughts. And I found it really interesting. There was an interview Tom did in 2016. And he said it was on his parents' 20th wedding anniversary that his dad left. And he found out that his dad had left because he was walking up to his house and there were all these like scratch marks on the driveway. And it was, it was from his dad, like moving furniture out. Like he had pulled the furniture oh, down the driveway. Um, so when he sings in the song, uh, will you remember this night? 20 years now lost. It's alluding to, you know, the 20 years gone in a marriage. And, and I feel like it's also like 20 years of your life. Like if it's what she wants, what you want, like them, what, like them fucking just end it. The title is like, we do this thing, like stay together for the kids, but yeah. In actuality, it's more harmful. Like, you might not like each other when you leave, but, like, having a well-adjusted, like, concept of two different places that a kid can go where it's happy and time with my parents is enjoyable when I'm with my parents versus, like, literally living in a haunted house. I think what I love so much about how they're able to tackle, even with Adam's song, like, no one really touches on suicide as, like, a main theme in the song. Yeah. I mean, especially for, I think, like, a lot of younger, like, it, I mean, their demographic was primarily younger. But then also, like, songs about divorce. It wasn't, like, your your cliche, like, I'm a sad boy who didn't get the girl songs. Like, it's not about, like, heartbreak. It's about heartbreak in a different way. The shattering of a home. Going home is like a fucking horror movie. I think their imagery and like their use of particular diction is just so powerful in encompassing that feeling. And it's like, I mean, we've been talking about music videos a ton. Like even this music video. This video is is great. Beautiful power, like just so powerful. In the video, it's essentially Blink-182 is playing kind of in this like broken down, abandoned house. And they're surrounded by a lot of young people who are looking very somber and um, obviously very sad. And then when the chorus explodes, there's this huge wrecking ball that comes in and starts smashing up the house. So yeah. again, to me, that just signals like everything's being destroyed and, and the world yeah. that you know, the life that you know, everything's coming, come to crash down. And watching this video, seeing all of those children like in that house, screaming during the chorus like here's your holiday like it's like that moment to rebel and like really just be like fuck this yeah I can't imagine like I don't know how I would have functioned I think they just did a superb job like I think it's fantastic superb that was mine so Carrie you gotta go next where do you want to go from here (gasps) okay so um controversial opinion I love the second half of the record almost sometimes more than the first Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I don't necessarily say that I would agree, but tell me more. Yeah. So it's because I go through moments. Like I used to, especially in Poland, I would start the record at roller coaster sometimes. Roller coaster. So do you want to talk about roller coaster? I love roller coaster. For me, this kind of also encapsulates that idea of kind of like love 
different from the like, rock show. Yeah, and like different from rock show where it felt more young to me. Like it's not a song I necessarily go to the same way I did I do now as I did like back then. Maybe it's the Romeo and Juliet shit <laughs> that like just has plagued me my whole life now. Somewhere um, Leonardo DiCaprio is in tears. I know, I, but I will watch that version. I will watch that version every day if I have to. If like him with the billowing Hawaiian t-shirt, just crying with the mushroom cut, (laughs) man, takes me back. Mushroom cut Leo DiCaprio is like, man, that's that's Jack. I mean, and then you had like Devin Sawa with the mushroom cut. Do you you know? know? Devin Uh, Sawa is who? Casper. He played the real Casper. What's his face played Casper? JTT, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. No. Who was no, Simba? No. Jonathan Taylor Thomas? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Also, mushroom cut circa <laughs> home improvement. I mean, that was yes. a good boys. The crushes I had on it, like, I mean, Timmy had a mushroom <laughs> cut. If we all remember the boy I named my hamster after, I mean, I'm really, there, there might be a definite reason I'm still single. I was going to say, that has to be one of my favorite moments on the podcast, hearing that you liked somebody so much that you named your hamster after them. <laughs> The epitome of unrequited love. He, he was asleep when I was awake. <laughs> he was awake when I was asleep. It was... He was on the wheel. Much, he was on the wheel trying to get away from me. <laughs> but aha. Uh-huh. Oh my gosh. Uh, okay, sorry. Let's go back. So we got off so topic. So roller coaster. Well, we just went on a roller coaster. <laughs> we did. Um, so very, very fitting. See, so relatable. But what I think I love so much about... And again, like musicality. Like the, the beginning of the song, like breathing deeply walking faster like it's to me the intro part feels like the climbing of a roller coaster oh that's so true and when you get to the end and then it goes leave me down here yeah you have like all the fun and then i had that dream about you again where you wait outside until my favorite part's like i'm sorry i love that very much the the ups and downs of a relationship. And I think what I like about the dream part that I've related to substantially more as I get older is every relationship in and of itself will be roller coastery, whether it's a successful relationship, like you just have ups and downs and you have trials and like things you have to kind of work through. And you also see kind of like the baggage, I yeah. think, that they're carrying. Like you're almost jinxing the relationship before it starts. Like you're having a dream, like a premonition of like, what could happen and sometimes you self-sabotage as a result you kind of always like live with that question of like doubt is this gonna happen um and then you have to kind of figure it out for yourself and it's a constant roller coaster that's a roller coaster baby yeah aptly named much like our cocktails tonight and uh it's just it's another reason why i love a band like blank 182 just another fun easy to learn very creative in the way that they compose the song like you mentioned classic blank song it's Um, just very fun it's so fun. It's absolutely very fun. And cheers to you, Carrie, for our roller coaster cocktails. Okay, Carrie, I've got one more song that I really love I want to talk about. And I know that you have a couple bonus tracks you want to talk about. So before we get into the hidden secret songs, let's stick with what's on the main track list of the record. And I want to talk to you about the song Every Time I Look For You. This one, again, really like it because, surprise, surprise, good Mark Tom trade-off in this song. Uh, I think it's Mark who sings like, young and stupid and then kind of wide open yeah it kind of comes out of the other side is is tom's voice it's super paced super paced (laughs) i mean yes (laughs) it is paced it's super fast paced it's high octane it's fun but it also has this like 
grown up feel to it. And so I feel like this maturity that you've spoken of about the record is really evident in this song, particularly in the lyrics. There's a lyric where Mark sings, one more point of contention. I need some intervention. Approached with vague intentions, I betray my short attention. And I'm like, who the fuck is this? Like, are these yep. the same guys who like are singing about like <laughs> and like <laughs> talking about um like what's my grandpa shitting his pants, grandpa shitting his pants, and like you know like all that shit. Like it's just yeah. it, it it again it showed that like clear growing up stage, yeah. which I love. And it's also about like trying to run around and find this person that's like really never there. And I yeah. think in light of that, also realizing, okay, maybe this person isn't the right person for me because every time I look for them, the sun goes down and they're never there when I need them to be, um, yeah. which is a sad realization. Yeah. But like, you know, it's a fun way of um, being able to think critically maybe about the relationship that you're in. And then I love how near the end, it like fades all the way out and you think it's over Yep. And then after like 15 seconds, just when you thought it was safe to go outside, like it yep. comes back super yep. hard. And I love when they do that. I think it's so, so fun. It really captures the listener's attention because it makes you like t- do a second take. You're like, oh, is, the, is, it, is, it, is it over? Yep. And then you're like, oh shit, it's back. And so I really I like, like this, this relationship. Just exactly. Just like the relationship. Very, very good point. So I, I love this yeah. song. Do you like this song? I love this song. Um, I wrote... Super catchy, but I love that it also blurs lines in what it is addressing, right? You started it with the um, betray my short attention span, but then the next line is span the distance, bridge the border, right? So I love that it's kind of like- It like merges together. Dualities, right? Like, is it betrayed by short attention span or is it like span the distance, bridge the border? And I think it kind of gives you in a way like this kind of idea of that, like sometimes this concept of reality within a relationship, right? Like every time I look for you, the sun goes down. So like, you're not there when I need you, but like, you're the person I'm going to. So like considering actual reason, if you objectively looked at this relationship and you were a friend giving advice, you might be like, buddy, like maybe this is not the one to go for. Red flag. Exactly. All of the red flags. But when you're in it, you don't see anything beyond what's in front of you. The way I interpreted the song um, was more like sabotaging the relationship because there's the moments of, he says, Never found out why you left him, but this answer begs a question. Too blind to see tomorrow, too broke to beg or borrow, right? But like, then you go into the next lines of, I never did do anything that she asks. I never I like how you say it, like he's singing it. I never did do anything Anything that that she asked. I never let what happened stay in the past in spite of everything. In spite of everything. everything. But that's the thing, right? Like it's, I've been in relationships where people like I dated a guy it was horrible but the next guy that I kind of started seeing knew all about that situation and he never quite let it stay you kind of had these moments where they would use like your past against you and it was like they couldn't realize in the moment like yeah I left that because it was a fucking shit show yeah and like I'm trying to move on and like start something new with you and I'm not going to put up with that shit but there was always that like by not letting it stay in the past you constantly kind of like couldn't see what was there and what I was trying to do with you. Fucking done, right? Every time you look for me, the sun goes down. Like you stumble because you literally cannot see what you are doing with your actions. Like you're almost like self-sabotaging this relationship because you can't handle that idea of like, I have a question or I have like an idea and I need you to answer it. It's almost like forcing, instead of just accepting, it's like needing an explanation to sometimes the unexplained really too fucking blind to see tomorrow because like too fucking blind to see tomorrow girl amazing song from them huge step forward in terms of the band i think that they were about to become and with 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 the next record too yeah i i really got to hear so there are two 
you're going to tell us a little bit about some bonus tracks on this record. Yes. So you've got to fill me in because these are not available. As far as I know, these are not available on streaming services. No. So what another reason I think this album um, and what they did with it was so fantastic. And it kind of reminds me almost a little bit like how they took the money for rock show and like fucking spent it on whatever they want. So um, when you got a compact disc from them with (laughs) take off your pants and jacket, um, you had one of three options for a disc. You could get a red disc with an airplane on it, and that was Travis's. Um, ironically enough, they made him be the airplane despite him being terrified of planes. Well, and he he got cool. into a plane accident. Yeah. Um, it, it crashed, and he uh, like he he got severely injured. That's why they ended yep. up reuniting. Was after Travis almost lost his life. Yeah. Yeah. He legit like hated planes, so he was like, "Please don't make me be the plane." And they were like, "Suck it." <laughs> So you could get the red album, which had two bonus tracks. I had the yellow album, which was Tom's album. So it was Pants. And I got my two bonus tracks, which I will talk to you about. And then um, the green jacket was uh, Mark. Mark's. And he had two tracks. So I don't really know the other tracks because I kind of like stayed pure to mine. Don't need to explore other options. I mean, I think I would have loved to, but also like no one I really hung out with was listening to this record. This so, is just you in Poland. It was, it was just me in Poland being like, does anybody else listen to Blink-182, please? <laughs> but uh, I got two fantastic songs, uh, one of which I love. It was probably easily one of my favorite on the record, uh, What Went Wrong. Um, but the one we have been referencing all night... Which I'm definitely going to be bleeping out in the pod, but is, for a listener... called... And it's kind of like a drinking song. It's I wanna... That's right, kids. <laughs> and then it just goes on. The pirate part is my favorite. Or me and me first mate, you scurvy cur. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was no dog, man. That was my own sister. What? It's a Mexican pirate. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's it's like a jaunty tune. It's, it's like an Irish drinking you want to song. Tip your cap. Yeah, you want to yeah. tip your cap and, I don't know, <laughs> sing to the wee Emerald Isles. I don't fucking know. That's it not something we should ever have me do. Because I did see you recently, Carrie. I did see you in person, <laughs> socially distanced, and you did play it for me. And I was like, it reminds me a lot of watching Whose Line Is It Anyway when they would do the, the game <gasps> called Call Irish yeah. Drinking Song. It's yeah, basically yeah. an Irish drinking song about bestiality. And yeah. uh, it's not for everybody, but... No. If you're if you're able to step away from the the literal, if you don't take it seriously, exactly, then you're like, oh, this is really fucking funny. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of the immature blink that you are like waiting for, and it's different. Like, I mean, we didn't really talk about Happy Holidays, you bastard, which is like it's a same thing, second though. like side note, but it's that silliness. Like, it's a very fun song, but um, if you're looking for something more serious, what went wrong is fantastic. It is basically kind of reflecting upon the end of a relationship and literally just being like, what the fuck happened? And I think, again, universality, like we have all been there at one point in time. I mean, unless you're always doing the breaking up, in which case, kudos to you, listener. In which case, Um, fuck right off. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like you have an experienced life, you goddamn psychopath. (laughs) You know, you know who hasn't, hasn't uh, had to experience this? Patrick Bateman. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yep. He's uh, doing his own thing with that. But people who have other people name their pets after them. They don't have to experience this shit. Ah, Timmy. We're back to Timmy. I mean, full circle. Full Um, circle moment here. But it's a fantastic song. And I think it it really encapsulates kind of that idea of experience a breakup. Like Like, I hate our favorite restaurant, our favorite movies, our favorite shows. Like, the things that kind of sneak into you and all all the memories you've had, like, 
are no longer pleasantries for you. I highly recommend the bonus tracks um, without going too, too much into it. Um, I believe they're available on YouTube if anyone wants to take are. a listen. And, and it's nice because it's also an acoustic track. I don't think I mentioned that. It It's a fully acoustic track with an oboe. Do, 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 do. Like, it's great. Is that your oboe imp- impression? That was my oboe impression. <laughs> I think on that note, care. We got to move into the next, the last segment, the closing segment of our podcast. And that is our final Ready. thoughts on Blink-182's Take Off Your Pants and Jacket and how many roller coasters you would give this album out of five roller coasters. So can you tell me your, your, your final thoughts and feelings about this record at this moment and, and give me a rating? I mean, it's abundantly clear. I fucking love this album. I love this whole album from start to finish. We didn't get to talk about everything because we don't have all the time in the world. I think just like the the fact that it is, it's my like adolescent album. It grew up with me, spent a lot of time going to churches with me, avoiding car crashes with me, my first big plane ride. It was, it was, it was a big album in my life and I'm going to give it no surprise to anyone. Five roller coasters out of five roller coasters. I'd give it six, but you can give it six. No one's done it on the pod yet, but if you, if you want, it's not a real metric. (laughs) I don't believe in it. I'm not going to go crazy. I've always been like fairly decent on my things. This is my perfect score and I, it shall remain so till the day I die. So five out of five. Five out of five. Perfect my, score. Hundred percent yeah. for for Blink One Eighty Two's two thousand one masterpiece. Take off your pants and jacket. So, with this record, what I found interesting listening to it this time around is I didn't expect to see as clearly the difference in style, the difference in composition, the difference in lyricism that I did comparing you know, the album that came out two years prior. So Enema of the State versus Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. I think because most of my exposure to the album back when I was seven, I was very young and I didn't even have the capacity to, you know, completely digest music at the time. Um, But I was really, it was very one note. It was very like Blink is a band that can do funny. And that's what I thought even growing up, probably well into my teens. I was like, well, if I want to go see a fun jokey band, I'm going to go see Blink. And in listening to, even when we, you know, we did Enema last year and in doing this now, I think I've realized the the depth to which Blink-182 can achieve in their songwriting and, uh, and, and in their albums. The level of detail that goes into it, how much thought is put into it, and how much heart. I might fuck this up, but I think I gave Enema of the State a four out of five. I gave it a five? Holy shit, I did? Wow, I'm yep. so impressed that you remember. <laughs> I remember because I was like, it's not a five out of five, in my humble opinion. I was like... Wait till take off your pants and jacket. But yeah. I was going to say, it. I think if I hadn't, I think if I had to just like rate the two and, you know, not get the chance to re-listen, I probably would give Enema of the State because that's like their iconic, yeah. like when you think Blink, you think you think Enema of the State, for me mm-hmm. at least. And I think yeah. for just because it's like their big album, it's like to put them on the map. It did. It's got to be a five as well then, man. This this album is so fun. The, the thing that really makes me the most sad is that the three of them don't play anymore. I know. Listening to this the whole like few weeks, like just building up to the to this moment, I'm like heartbroken about it because I'm like, is it what? Like the, is the next album the last one they did together? I think so. That's the one that's got like always yeah. on it. Always yeah. uh, miss you. Um, the one that's syndrome. like, where do we go from here? From here. Feeling, feeling it. it. Yeah. It always felt weird to me that they split up to yeah. do different things. Cause I'm like, if you can't do them together, but uh, 
love this album. So happy. So happy we got to talk about it. I'm so happy we got to talk about it. It got a great rating, the highest rating that you can get on Kara Gets Drunk yes. and Talks About Music. So I'm very grateful for that. And Kara, I just have to say thank you for, you know, all the amazing points that you made. I feel like you did so much research and you came so prepared and I couldn't have asked for a better guest for this episode. So thank you from the bottom of my, the bottom of my heart. No, anytime. Always for you. <laughs> now go take off your pants and jacket. Halfway there. <laughs>